0: A reading from the book of Joshua. Joshua gathered together all the tribes of Israel at Shechem, summoning their elders, their leaders, their judges, and their officers. When they stood in ranks before God, Joshua addressed all the people. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, in times past, your fathers down to Terah Father of Abraham and Nahor, dwelt beyond the river and served other gods. But I brought your father Abraham from the region beyond the river and led him through the entire land of Canaan. And I made his descendants numerous and gave him Isaac. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. To Esau I assigned the mountain region of Seir, in which to settle, while Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron and smote Egypt with the prodigies which I wrought in their midst. Afterwards, I led you out of Egypt, and when you reached the sea, the Egyptians pursued your fathers to the Red Sea with chariots and horsemen. Because they cried out to the Lord, he put darkness between your people and the Egyptians, upon whom he brought the sea, so that it engulfed them. After you witnessed what I did to Egypt and dwelt a long time in the desert, I brought you into the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I delivered them into your power You took possession of their land, and I destroyed them, the two kings of the Amorites, before you. Then Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, prepared to war against Israel. He summoned Balaam, son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. On the contrary, he had to bless you, and I saved you from him. Once you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho, the men of Jericho fought against you, but I delivered them also into your power. And I sent the hornets ahead of you that drove them, the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, and Jebusites, out of your way. It was not your sword or your bow, I gave you a land that you had not tilled and cities that you had not built to dwell in. You have eaten of vineyards and olive groves, which you did not plant. His mercy
1: endures
0: forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his mercy endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endures forever. forever. Who led his people through the wilderness, for his mercy endures forever. Who smote great kings, for his mercy endures forever and slew powerful kings, for his mercy endures forever. forever. And made their land a heritage, for his mercy endures forever, the heritage of Israel his servant, for his mercy endures forever, and freed us from our foes, for his mercy endures forever.
2: RECEIVE THE WORD OF GOD NOT AS THE WORD OF man, BUT AS IT TRULY IS THE WORD OF GOD.
1: Some Pharisees approached Jesus and tested him, saying, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any cause, whatever? He said in reply, Have you not read that from the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, man must not separate. They said to him, Then why did Moses command that the man give the woman a bill of divorce and dismiss her? He said to them, because of the hardness of your hearts, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, unless the marriage is unlawful and marries another, commits adultery. His disciples said to him, if that is the case of a man with his wife, It is better not to marry. He answered, not all can accept this word, but only those to whom that is granted. Some are incapable of marriage because they were born so. Some because they were made so by others. Some because they have renounced marriage for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Whoever can accept this ought to accept it spelbum Domini
2: It was in the year uh, 2018 that I was invited to give a presentation on Fatima at two Catholic high schools in the Fort Wayne, Indiana area. And so I enjoyed meeting some of the uh, people there who were involved in the high schools and presenting the story of Our Lady of Fatima. But we had the opportunity because we weren't too far from Notre Dame to visit the campus, and that was something that I wanted to do with a particular purpose in mind. There was an unusual statue I wanted to see on the campus there. And so we worked it out. I was able to go there to see the beautiful golden dome, which is so iconic of Notre Dame. And on top of that golden dome is a 19-foot statue of Our Lady, Notre Dame, Our Lady and the Grotto of Lourdes that is there, and the magnificent Basilica of the Sacred Heart. Amazing. A beautiful basilica there where the students and the staff have a privilege, really, to, to pray there, to receive the sacraments. And that was all wonderful. But what I really wanted to see was this unusual statue. And so we're, we didn't have a lot of time left. And I'm asking students, do you know where the statue is? No, don't know where that is. Finally, I found one. Yeah, she said it's over there between the basketball uh, stadium and the football stadium. So we rounded the corner, and there it was, this unusual statue. It's a statue of a man seated on a bench with his legs crossed, holding a cigar in his left hand, and his right arm extended across the bench, almost as if he's inviting you to sit down next to him, which I did, got a picture. And he's looking out over the football stadium, if you will, and behind him is a basketball stadium. And this man depicted there, his name is Ed Kraus. He was known as Mr. Notre Dame. And I admire him because, not because of the athletic achievements that he had, which were many, he was an All-American tackle on the football team, both on offense and defense. He was an All-American center for the basketball team. He coached the team for eight years. He was the athletic director for over 30 years. He was known as Mr. Notre Dame. That's not why I admire him. But why I admire him is because of something that he shows to us. And Dr. Donald DeMarco he wrote a book entitled, The Heart of Virtue. And in that book, he'll highlight different virtues and then he'll have a real life example of someone who lived that virtue in a remarkable way. And so on the chapter on fidelity, he has the example of Moose Kraus, as he was nicknamed, Ed Kraus, Moose Kraus as he was known, Mr. Notre Dame. And his story is that, of course, he played for for Notre Dame and all of those things I mentioned. And his son, Ed Junior, was ordained to the priesthood in Rome for the Holy Cross Order. And they had traveled, he and his wife had traveled to Rome, his wife Elise, and they came back and it was two weeks later They're in a taxi and they get hit by a man who's a drunk driver. And his wife suffers severe brain damage. The doctors told Ed Senior that they didn't expect that she would live, but he was convinced, no, she will live. And in fact, she did for 23 more years. But she had severe brain damage that caused her not to have really control of her emotions, to lose her ability to reason. And for four months, she was in intensive care. But then he took care of her. And it was the last eight years of his life that he could no longer take care of her at home, that he would, she was in this nursing home, but he would visit her two or three times a day. And when she could no longer feed herself, he would spoon feed her. At night when she couldn't sleep, he would sing to her. And on the 50th wedding anniversary date, he rented a white tuxedo and they renewed their marriage vows after 50 years. He said it was literally this life after this accident was literally a crucifixion for both of us. And yet he didn't want people to feel sorry for him. He said to his son, Ed Jr., Father Ed Jr., there's really no place I'd rather be than in the room with your mother. I know a lot of people feel sorry for me, but I'm the lucky one. I'm in the fortunate position of being able to extend care. That's the easy part. Mother has a hard part. Era Parsegian, the renowned Notre Dame football coach, he said, "I call him Saint Edward." <laughs> if every person had that kind of compassion and respect for his spouse, this would be a lot better world." Father Theodore Hesberg said he was absolutely the rock of Gibraltar, the soul of integrity. If I ever met a saint, he was one of them. And Jerry Faust, the day after Moose Krause died, December 11th, 1992, the former Notre Dame head coach, he said, I think the true legend of Notre Dame has just died. They talk about the Gipper, Rockne, the four horsemen, but I think he was... The true legend, the beauty of fidelity, of faithful love, that our Lord points out today. And Donald DeMarco, in his book *The Heart of Virtue*, highlighting this virtue of fidelity that we're all called to, in a particular our particular state of life. I love a couple of his thoughts. I'd like to share with you from that chapter. He said, the essential beauty of fidelity lies not so much in its capacity to promise favorable results as to its courage, its hopefulness, and its extraordinary faith in the providential order of things and the potentialities of every human being. Mother Teresa's words, offer insight as well. God does not ask us to be successful, but faithful. So when we make vows to religious life, priesthood, to marriage, it's not saying it's all going to turn out well. It's all going to be easy. No, that's not what it's saying, but it's saying that you're called to something more, to give yourself and at times sacrifice yourself for something greater than yourself. And Dr. DeMarco concludes this chapter by saying, the soul is in search of its own integrity. The soul cannot find such authenticity by acting for nothing other than under what is guaranteed. I need a prenuptial agreement, or we're just going to live together. No. No. That's not what's going to lead to our own authenticity and integrity. The complete avoidance of fidelity must inevitably bring about despair because we're running after our own whims, which constantly are changing. But when we commit ourselves to something and we remain faithful to it, yeah, it's going to cost us. There's going to be those moments when the grass looks greener But being faithful is going to lead to our own maturity. His fidelity, DeMarco says, by which he unites himself with a transcendent, is truly a creative fidelity, one that allows him to realize more and more his being and his destiny. We grow in our our soul's own integrity. We grow in that union with God. Now, where did... Moose, where did he achieve or where did he receive those virtues? His son speaks about how important his own Catholic faith was. And that's why I wanted to have a votive mass of the Sacred Heart today. Because that's the source of our own fidelity. We can't be faithful without receiving from him the graces we need. And in fact, the Catechism speaks about this. These two sacraments holy orders, and matrimony, that these two sacraments are directed toward the salvation of others. And if they contribute as well to personal salvation, it is through the service to others that they do so. And they confer a particular mission in the church, building up the people of God. Christian spouses, as it were, are consecrated for their duties and the dignity of their state by a special sacrament. So it's those graces of the sacrament that enable us to be faithful. It's a grace that comes from his heart. And think about this, that beautiful Basilica of the Sacred Heart on the Notre Dame campus. Moose went there often. He could receive the Holy Eucharist. He could go to confession there. He could pray there before the blessed sacraments. And that's really what enabled him then to be faithful too. The Lord spoon-feeding him and all of us through the sacraments. The Lord singing his love song to us in all the ways that he nourishes our souls and reveals his profound love for us. The Lord renewing his covenant, his marriage covenant with us. As often as we want, as often as we attend mass, the new and eternal covenant is renewed. This marriage covenant with the Lord. We're invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb to renew this covenant and he with us. Isn't that a beautiful thing for us to reflect upon? Why was Moose able to do this, Ed Krauss? Because of that, the grace of God. <laughs> and so today, as we read from the book of Joshua, this is the last chapter. The people have come into the land now and it's being parceled out. And Joshua is now old and advanced in years. And he calls the people together and he's reminding them of all the Things that the Lord has done for them. And we need to be reminded of that too, all the things the Lord has done for us. And tomorrow we're going to hear that we're free to choose to respond to his love or not, just as the Israelites were. And so Joshua says this, and we'll hear this tomorrow. He's just related all of the ways that they have been blessed by God, how he's done miraculous things for them. But if it does not please you to serve the Lord, decide today whom you will serve. The gods your ancient fathers served beyond the river, the gods of this country you're now dwelling. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That has to be our intention. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Today's society says, no, you don't need marriage. You don't need that binding. You need to be free to open your options for any future eventualities. It may not turn out as well as you want. That eventually leads to despair. Doesn't lead anywhere. But it is through that faithful love, that fidelity that we see in Moose Kraus, which came from our Lord's heart, who enables us to be faithful, that's where we find our own soul's integrity. That's where we mature. That's where we grow and advance in the love of God and of others.